0: What up and welcome in to the Locked On Bengals podcast from the studio. One of the last episodes from the studio, then it'll be home office edition of the podcast. I'm James Erpine. It is great to be with you on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. You heard from Tyler Boyd yesterday. You heard from plenty of Bengals players yesterday on the podcast. If you missed it, go out, check it out. Really good stuff on yesterday's podcast. And what was a a bad loss for the Bengals, as I fixed this phone here, Joe Goodberry of The Athletic coming up in just a second, getting the phone set for Joe to call in. It's great to be with you today, though. Uh, Let's dive into it. Look, the, the Bengals, they lose yesterday. And it was... It shouldn't have happened. I'll go ahead and say it like that. That shouldn't have been a loss. The more I think about it, the more things that they left out there, their lack of creativity. Like, did you come away from that thinking, oh, the Ravens are more talented than the Bengals? I didn't. And the defense got run all over. And the offense lacked creativity. And yet, I still think the Bengals are probably more talented, even with all of the injuries. I mean, as they were on the field, I think they had more talent. I think their wide receivers were about as good. I think their tight end was better. I think that their quarterback didn't look as talented. Someone ripped me on Twitter yesterday, not just someone, a couple people. Can you believe, I can't believe you said Andy Dalton was outplayed by Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Yes, he was outplayed by him. I didn't say outthrown. Outplayed by him. Lamar Jackson played better on Sunday than Andy Dalton. You can't deny that. That's not deny. You can't, you can't say, oh, no way. Yes way. Absolutely way. 100%. That is what happened. I don't think you can deny it at all. As you hear the phone, that's Joe Goodberry. Joe Goodberry calling in. Let's welcome him in. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I was just talking about Lamar Jackson. And yesterday, yesterday one of my takeaways was, oh, Lamar Jackson outplayed Andy Dalton. And I got okay. some pushback on that. I think that's the case. Upon further review, what do you think?
2: Well, obviously they're asked to do two very different things, right? I mean, expected from a guy in his eighth year and a guy that is starting his first game when a lot of people thought he probably shouldn't play much this year. Um, Having said that, based on what they were asked to do, which is in this league right now, the deciding factor between good quarterbacking and bad quarterbacking, um, Lamar Jackson did play better than Andy Dalton. And, you know, that's. Usually, the best quarterback or whoever's the best on that day is going to be the team that wins. And in this case, sure, they asked him to run a lot. They didn't ask him to make too many crazy throws. But you know what? He made a couple in key situations, like the the field goal before the end of the halftime, where he had to roll to the right and through to the tight end on the sideline. This after Andy Dalton couldn't make the same play, rolling to his left and missed Tyler Boyd that was open. Um, Lamar Jackson was able to make that same throw just to the opposite side. You know, there was a lot of plays, the one where he's sitting in the pocket and, and, and um, Carlos Dunlap's trying to, trying to bring him down. He's pressuring him from the left side, and and you see Jackson bounce in the pocket and almost look like he's, he's going to take off running. And then he hops back into the pocket, opens his eyes, lifts his head, and, and rolls and finds a, a receiver over the middle after Jordan Evans doesn't stay with him. I think it was Willie Sneed. I mean, those were key plays in a game where they didn't ask Lamar Jackson to make many throws. He showed that he, that offense is probably better with Lamar Jackson running that just the way he did, with a lot of the read option stuff, a lot of the running stuff for the for the Ravens than it is with Joe Flacco on the field, and you know I think that was the difference in the game between the two quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, it really bothers me to to look at both offenses now because I don't think what the Ravens did was creative. They they basically said hey. What we're going to do is get Lamar out. We're going to have him throw it a couple times, but most of the time we're going to run the ball. We want you to stop it. And the Bengals couldn't do it. On the flip side, I look at the Bengals, and they didn't have any creativity. Their quarterback needs it. He's not a guy that has any special skill set, running, throwing, where you could say, this is what we're doing, go beat us. Now maybe you can do that when you have a really good offensive line. Maybe you can do that when you have A.J. Green. This Bengals offense was so dull to me, and that's where I think this game was lost. They didn't get the ball to Mixon in space. They didn't get the ball to Giovanni Bernard in, in space. I heard – little birdies told me that they were going to be more creative this week. I didn't see it outside of the the Tyler Boyd play where they tried to throw it downfield to Erickson. It didn't work, and I was fine. At least they tried it. But to me, there's enough weapons. There's enough talent here. Andy Dalton's an, an eighth year in his eighth year in the NFL. And you have Tyler Boyd, who I think is a pretty good wide receiver. John Ross has flashed now. Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon, CJ Uzama, I think, is an underrated player. I think the talent is there in this idea that, oh, they're so injured that they can't function on offense. I mean, the offense was awful yesterday. I didn't think they were good at all.
2: No, not at all. And the other creative part that was there but really didn't amount to much was they had all, maybe a handful, five or six plays of having Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon in the game at the same time. Um, it didn't really, you know gain them an advantage because they, they really didn't do too much crazy with it. When you watch, uh, you know, it's funny because you watch the Saints game right after, like a lot of people, it was on national television. And you watch uh, Kamara and Ingram. We just saw that a week ago, obviously. But seeing it again and seeing the jet sweeps or the fakes with Kamara or lining them out wide and, and then throwing to him on a fourth and seven play while Mark Ingram's running it from the backfield. And then you see what the Bengals were doing. And it was more Bernard getting into the slot and throwing him a screen pass. Um, or, you know, it wasn't faking one way and going the other. It was... We're going to show motion with this guy and then give him the ball. I I, I wrote about that against the, after the Chiefs game, how the Bengals do it completely opposite than what, the, what the best offenses in the league are doing. Uh, but, it, you know, they just, you're right. They don't scheme their guys into success. And then you, when you watch the Ravens, it's not that they did anything crazy, I agree with you, but they use their players the way they're supposed to be used. Yep. They they use Lamar Jackson in the exact way. If, if anyone would have written up, so how should you use Lamar Jackson in his first start? This is exactly what people would have said. Everyone would have said this, and they went and they did it, and it wasn't a surprise. I'm sure the Bengals expected exactly this. They just couldn't stop it. They they just were They're they're, they're too undisciplined in the second level, and I'm talking about the linebackers on defense, um, it, it, on the edge of the defense right now, especially you know after losing Carl Lawson, and you got Sam Hubbard and Michael Johnson in there, and there is some mistakes. Jordan Willis, I thought I had a bunch of mistakes. So, you know, they're just not a very disciplined team, and you have to be against any type of option stuff or any time a quarterback can run, because that makes it 11 versus 11. Normally, it's, you know, if your quarterback can't run, it's 10 versus 11, offense versus defense. But on running plays, when a quarterback can run it, it's 11 versus 11. If you don't play your gap, if you don't play, play your, your spot on the defense, your role in the defense, you're going to get beat. And they consistently did uh, uh, on Sunday. And Going back to the Bengals' offense, so you don't see any of that. And and I always think of this uh, Tony Romo quote. He was he was on CBS, and it was before one o'clock games. This was a few weeks ago, and he and he says, "Get me to give me first and second down plays and packages that we create Monday through through Friday. Uh, you know, in the, with the offensive coordinator, give me those for first and second down. On third downs, that's me. That's the quarterback, and I'm going to get to the line." I'm going to call the protection based on the defense. I'm going to look at my ex receiver and I'm going to figure out what he should be doing. And I'm going to let him know. I'm going to look at my Y, whether that's the tight end and it probably was for, for Roman with Witten or that your slot guy, which would be Tyler Boyd for the Bengals. And I'm going to figure out what's, what's best way to beat this defense with those three guys, basically the offensive line and then two receivers. And I'm, and I'm third downs are in my, my control. And then you watch the Bengals offense and you rarely hear Andy Dalton at the line anymore. Not the way he used to be. And um, you know, it, it's concerning that, that, Without A.J. Green, they're not scheming more to get yeah. the ball into the hands of these other guys. Agreed. Instead, instead, they're going out there and saying, "This is our these are our weapons. Let's line them up, and we're going to beat you because we hope that they will beat you. And if you watch the last drive of the game where they're going down, they want a field goal to tie it and got more than enough time to push for a touchdown. But they're going down. They ran out there with the same formation five plays in a row. And it's crazy because he, you can't give a defense like the Ravens. There may be one good defense in the NFL that's truly good, and it's the Ravens probably still in terms of the, the numbers and, and how their stats uh, line up with everyone else. But you can't go out there with the same formation every single time with Tyler Boyd in the same spot, with C.G. Uzama in the same spot, with John Ross in the same spot, every – time and think that by play three four and five because those were the last handful of plays that got them nothing when they just needed three yards and expect those plays to just win expect cody core just to beat marlon humphrey on a comeback route just because it's not going to happen guys and, and you know it, you look at it and, I, and as i'm watching the replay i'm like they're just they're out there running the same they ran the same play three times out of those five they had the same formation every single play it's just it's insane that they didn't have more in the in the bag of tricks or at least a go-to play in these situations where they just needed a handful of yards. And ultimately, it's why they lost in a close game. Joe
0: Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. I'm with you. I, I, I have no idea what the hell... First off, Cody Core shouldn't have been on the field. You should have been. I should have been. Marvin Lewis should have been. Hugh Jackson might have been able to be out there. Cody Core, with the game on the line, he shouldn't be out there, period. And people... Are are defending Andy for making that throw? This is out of a timeout, right? Like, do people? That's the play call out of a, out of a timeout. These coaches spend hours and hours and hours and hours at Paul Brown Stadium, and that's what they come up with.
2: With and that's why I called them a robot. Yeah, after, it's, after yeah, that play.
0: Yeah, with your season on the line, that cannot be the call. And and here's the thing: Do you think if Matt Nagy were here? Or Andy Reid, or Frank Reich, or I mean, and Doug Peterson, obviously Bill Belichick, but I don't want to use him because he's uh, the goat. But you, all of these coaches across the league, and Sean McVay, I could go on and on and on. All of them would find a way to use John Ross, and use Joe Mixon, and use Giovanni Bernard, and use Tyler Boyd, and use C.J. Uzama. Like the cupboard isn't bare here. That isn't that is a pretty decent amount of weapons and if you use the running backs correctly and in a creative way, I think you could have a really good offense without A.J. Green, without Tyler Eifert, with the offensive line the way it is, and instead they put together one drive where they went the length of the field. One all day yesterday. That's not going to win any games in the NFL. It it really shouldn't have been as close as it was. The defense got them a couple turnovers, a couple short fields, and they were able to do that. But, man, it's so disheartening to me that you have a, a quarterback in his eighth year and you have complementary pieces, and I think there are pieces there. And, and what it comes down to is coaching. I think they got outcoached a ton yesterday. It's not the talent that was on the field. I think they're probably more talented than the Ravens. As they are injured currently, I think they're still yep. more talented. But they got outcoached on Sunday.
2: They got beat by a running back that I've never even heard of, James I didn't know who three. he was either. No I point. usually know about ninety five percent of the guys on the other team, but, you know, just because I love the draft and I'm into this. I'm like, this is, they said rookie out of Rutgers. I'm like, who are they talking about? And there's this guy with a hundred and some odd yards and running down their throat. Now, a lot of that had to do because of the, the the run option from Jackson. But you're right. It seems like we come away from these games against good teams, or at least teams that are in the playoff hunt, and we normally either come away and say. Um, the Bengals got outcoached or they got outplayed at quarterback. And, you know, in this game, it looks like both, if not definitely outcoached. And that just can't happen. And then we wonder why, and I don't think anybody wonders why anymore, but we wonder why. They can't win in the playoffs, and it's because you can't get out coached and you can't get out played at the most important position. And it's not just how Andy Dalton plays; it's how you set him up to play. And th- that last play is a great example. You go out there, and they show their formation, right? And they they got to call time out. and And who was in that spot for Cody Cora on that last play? It was Auden Tate, and yeah. they and they call they call a time out. John Ross wasn't in the game. It was Cody Corr in Ross's spot. So they call time out. They come back out there in the same formation. You know what adjustment the Ravens made? They doubled Tyler Boyd in the slot now. They said, no, nope, you know, we know where you're lining up. You're coming out there again for the fifth play in a row. Double him on the fourth and three. We cannot let Tyler Boyd beat us. So now here's Andy Dalton's thing. We talk about pre snap, post snap reads, how the Bengals offense is so robotic and it's completely dictated on what the defense shows you. And but I mean, this is the fourth different coordinator, or am I miscounting? Um, and so, uh, uh, by an extension, Andy Dalton is a robot out there in this offense. And, uh, and this is what I mean. You go out there, you've you got three wide receivers, uh, one side ends, you've got trips left with Uzama being the, being the guy on the left, and you've got Cody Core split wide to the right. The defense comes out, shows a cover one. So any kind of safety in the middle of the field, whether it's cover one or cover three, that means middle of the field is closed. So now your options are the two boundary guys, John Ross, Cody Core. Those are their two options. Plus they double Tyler Boyd, so you're not even going to look at Boyd in the situation, even though you probably could hit him on a fourth and three with how they were stacked on the defensive on the line, showing blitz. So your options now are John Ross running a streak on the left side. Same exact play they ran on second and three with the deep ball to Ross. Wow. It is the same exact play that they run on fourth down now. So you know you're not throwing that deep ball to Ross. It just didn't work. It's been a low-percentage play all year. The only place... Andy Dalton could throw this ball before he even snaps it. Just by looking at the defense, is Cody Corr on a comeback route versus Marlon Humphrey, And you're telling me that's a good decision? I don't care if it's the right read. I don't care if the pass was accurate because it was. It hit Cody Corr in the face and the chest and the hands. He dropped it. It was a bad play by Cody Cor. But pre-snap, I wonder how many of these really good quarterbacks and these really good offenses don't say – that's not a high-percentage throw. Cody Kors caught 35% in that range, 35% of his passes over the last two years. That is an extremely low-percentage ball. You might as well have thrown that deep ball to John Ross because that is a bad, bad decision before he even threw it. I don't even like seeing that. You know, so for me, I would want a quarterback that looks at that and goes, yeah, this isn't going to work. We've got to be able to change the play here. And maybe that's why he called a timeout previous, because he didn't like it. So he just went with it again. But the point being is, I need my quarterback to be able to make this adjustment and say, I can't throw this low percentage pass to Cody Core. I know he's an NFL receiver. I know he's required to make this catch if he's in the league. But he hasn't, and he's proven time and time again. And on those situations, fourth down and three, with the game on the line, I don't want to go to Cody Core. I want to go to Tyler Boyd. I want to go to Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, John Ross, CJ Ozama, Even you know, I'm listing those guys that you don't really, that we really don't trust fully with Ross and Ozama, But it's much better option than going to Cody Core, Jordan, Frank, Matt. Langol, I don't care who it is. All of them. Yeah, all of them. And and to think that. Core really took the second, the third most snaps that wide receiver all, all game. And it wasn't Alex Erickson because we've complained Erickson has, is miscast being that outside receiver. So I'm glad they made that change. But to think Auden take its one snap and really runs the same route and makes a high point contested grab, while short of the first down would have gained three yards on this play. To think he showed he could do it got out there for a play, they had to call timeout, and got core out there, as if they were like, maybe they didn't trust Tate to make the play, and they wanted to call timeout to get core in the that spot instead, even makes me even more frustrated. The final few plays, and I'm going to break it down for the Athletics this week, on the last two drives, before the the Bullock missed field goal, too, because that was another fiasco. But um, I'm going to break those down because they were disgusting and ugly and indicative of why this offense is completely terrible, and Bill Lazor is not the answer.
0: He's not the answer. I mean, my God, it, it is And Joe Goodberry. The Athletic is with us on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Can you find a way to set Joe Mixon up for success? Instead of running it up the middle very predictably against a, a really good defense, especially when they their goal was probably, hey, let's take away Tyler Boyd and let's crowd the box and make sure they can't run it. Can you find a way to get the ball to Joe Mixon? Can you copy what the Saints do and, and find a way to get Giovanni Bernard into the game? and get him the ball in space. Can John Ross for once not have to run a streak route to get the ball? Can he do like like the underneath route that he ran to get the five yard play, I thought was fine. I thought Dalton was way late getting the ball, him the ball. Yep. I think it should have been very quick because then Ross might have had a chance to make a move afterwards. But they have weapons in in the the problem Joe I have now and I think they're still very much in the playoff race, I think you go 4-2 and two the rest of the way you get in, and they can have three very winnable home games and a road game at Cleveland. You have to win all four of those, in my mind, Denver, Oakland, and Cleveland here this Sunday. You do that, you get in. I'm not sure they can do that unless they get more creative. Like, this isn't just A.J. Green needs to come back. A.J. Green needs to come back and Bill Lazor, I don't know if it's Hugh Jacks, I don't know what needs to happen. Someone needs to tell Lazor. To be more creative. And I think there are people in that building down there that are pissed off about the way he's doing things and the way he's calling things. And it is going to be quite interesting how this week, what happens, because there's no way you can be satisfied with how they, and I want to talk to you about the defense and all that, but there's just no way you can be satisfied with the performance they put out there. I mean, they set their players up for failure. You can't bank on John Ross making that type of play. That's a tough play to make for anyone. They got lucky.
2: Yeah, they got, they got lucky. He made that play. Without yeah. that play, they get they get smoked out on on the offensive side of the game of the ball, and it's a it's a disaster of a game. It doesn't even end up being close. It ends up being a laugh fest. And as bad as the defense was, and you know throughout the year, um, and we we said plenty of times, Terrell Lawson needs to go. It's a bad fit. We are at the same exact point with with the offense right now. It is inexcusable in this age of getting yards, explosive plays, and high-level play out of your quarterback all over the league. In this this era that you're performing the way you are, even without A.J. Green, there's a lot of teams that don't have an A.J. Green and are still finding ways to be successful. So, you know, if you cannot move the ball and move it successfully and score more than 21 points in a game, we've got a problem. And if they didn't just fire Terrell Lawson, I'd be saying the same thing right now. Like, like Bill Lazor needs to go this week. And... I just can't see it happening even though they brought Hugh Jackson into the into the room. I don't think he's he's helping the offense right now based on reports. I can't see them sitting here much longer and allowing this to happen without looking over at Hugh and saying, "Hugh, what do we got to do on offense?"
0: Yeah, I think they should. <laughs> this offense isn't creative at all. By the way, Matt Nagy, his number one wide receiver and I like Allen Robinson a lot, but he's working with a number a year 2 quarterback, sophomore campaign and Mitchell Trubisky. Yep. They have Similar players. I mean, you have Cohen and Howard. You have uh, Allen Robinson. I'm trying to think. They they got the speedy wide receiver. Taylor Gabriel from Atlanta. Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller. Like, that's comparable to what you have right now without A.J. I mean, Tyler Boyd, John Ross. You have Erickson who can be inside and line up in the slot more. Like, I would have preferred him, by the way, on that play than core. And I I don't like Erickson outside, but I I think he's more reliable. So I want reliable on fourth and three, not risky. Uh, it's just, it, it's baffling to me because I think this team has plenty of talent on, on the offense. And, and let's talk for a second about Andy Dalton because he was bad yesterday. I mean, just, just from a, his completion percentage was bad. It, it just, it didn't seem, you just said he didn't audible on the last play where he probably should have your thoughts on how he's played. I thought he had a, a really good four or five game stretch to start this season. And yes, I know there have been injuries, but number 14 is showing us who number 14 is. Those first 4 or 5 games are an outlier.
2: And it would say I would say the same about, you know, him and Lazor. It seems like at the, they were great together those first 4 weeks. Atlanta game, you know, they came back and won. You lost Tyler Eifert for that game. Since then, they've been pretty bad. I think there's a there's a handful of games where um Dalton's been under 175 yards passing, his quarterback rating in a bunch of those games are real low. I mean, the numbers say he's not having a really great stretch since that Atlanta game. The offense has declined drastically outside of the red zone where they've been fantastic, but they have a problem getting to the red zone outside of the red zone. they're as bad as any offense in the league right now. And that's inexcusable for the talent on the team. And, and so, it's, it falls on the quarterback a lot. And yes, there's issues on the offensive line. Yes, they've had injuries. Yes, the coordinator is not really helping and putting them in in places to, in, in situations to succeed. One of the criticisms of Laser in Miami was that Tannehill couldn't change plays. So, you know, I start to wonder, is it Dalton? Is it Laser? Because you see... Around the league, there's a lot of good coordinators and a lot of good offensive coaches that are getting really good play out of a Mitchell Trubisky, out of a Jared Goff. I don't think those two are even are better than Andy Dalton. I, they they may be better, but in year two and in, in year three, are they better than Andy Dalton? They're probably similar players, and that shouldn't be the you know we shouldn't see such a drastic difference in, in production from the, from those teams and from those offenses from quarterback position. So for me, I'm not happy right now. Um, with with Dalton's level of play. I would like, you know, they talk about how good of a guy he is and, and how they'd like him to be more assertive at times. This is one of those times when the offense isn't clicking, when they're giving you, you know, crap to go out there on fourth down, you look to your right and it's Cody Core, when, when they're sending you out there on, on second down and loading the box, I'm talking about the one before they, they had the missed field goal for Randy Bullock, second and eight, I believe it was, they go out there with a loaded box with an eye formation an extra offensive lineman, and, yeah, the only receiver on that play was Cody Core also, and they run it up the middle against the Ravens. What are we doing? And then you settle for a 52-yard field goal. I mean, that's Andy Dalton and me saying, he, he should, as the quarterback, as the leader of the team, you should be like, this is not. I'm not doing this. I'm not calling. We're not doing this here. This is this is stupid play calling. What are we doing? Give me my best guys. Let me go out there and audible it. Keep the pace up. Keep the tempo up. And that's why I call him a robot because it's like he's Ron Burgundy. He's going to read whatever comes on the teleprompter. He's going to call whatever <laughs> Bill Lazor gives him. And it, right now, Bill Lazor is giving him crap, and Andy Dalton's just taking it. Joe,
0: I want to talk to you about the defense, but real quick. Yesterday, you're obviously a big superhero fan. Um Someone tweeted me and said, Andy Dalton without A.J. Green is like Robin without Batman. And I said it's yeah. more like Alfred the Butler without either one. I'm I'm serious about this, and that's not an insult. Alfred has value, but he needs everything to be right around him. He needs his Batman. He also needs his Robin. And right now, Andy Dalton doesn't seem to have either one. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, it's fair. I do like the Robin. <laughs> I do like the Robin analogy more just because... You send Robin out there to fight the same battles, and, the, and the, the the bad guys are laughing at him. like, where's Batman? What are you doing? You know, no, you can Robin can handle his
0: own for a little bit, and he, can't do, and
2: he can't do it without AJ. He just can't. Robin is a fine character, and especially when he gets to Nightwing, he's a little more cool and older, and he can handle his own. But, man, no, Robin, as the young Robin, needs Batman. If he goes out there, man, in those tights, he's not winning anything. So, really? I like that, but yeah, because Alfred, Alfred doesn't get any credit if they if they win, right? You know, Batman may come back and say, "Well done," but um, you know, if they lose, if, if something goes wrong, no one looks at Alfred. That's always not looking at Batman and Robin. So for me, I uh,
0: I see. Know, I, I would
2: think I would think Dalton would have to be one of those guys that gets a lot of the criticism. That's if they lose. fair. Okay, but th- yeah,
0: okay, because because he shoulders more of the br- more of the blame than Alfred. I get that yeah. part, but. I think he plays like Alfred. Anyways, he's Joe, he's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Up next, I'm going to ask Joe Goodberry about the defense. We'll discuss that and so much more. But first, a word from Action Heat. This episode is sponsored by Action Heat. They make the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. It's clothing engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to to a heated car seat, they can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees, and they have lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours. They can also, you can use those batteries to charge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. They're perfect for any friend, family member member on your holiday gift list. Maybe me. I'm your friend. I'm moving up north to Cleveland where it's going to be really cold. I can use some action heat gear Come buy that for me. It's available in men's, women's. They have great new styles. They have new models just released for the winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm even in the most frigid winter weather. And we've got a special deal for for our listeners and for you, 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on. Use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Two hundred and sixty-five yards of uh, two hundred and sixty-five rushing yards, Joe. That the Bengals defense gave up. They knew what was coming. They couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop Lamar Jackson. Forced a a turnover, got a big stop on fourth down. They did a a couple things, but overall, it seemed like the linebackers, the defense in general, 13 missed tackles according to Pro Football Focus, they continued to struggle.
2: Same as it's been. I mean, you wouldn't (laughs) have noticed if that was Marvin Lewis calling the plays or not. I mean, there was nothing there. I think there was, at times, there was some energy on the defense, but I think it was facilitated from the offense moving the ball and scoring and and some, some special teams, big plays and tackles. I thought Brandon Wilson had a great game on special teams, by the way. But, you know, so you saw the energy and it, it, it carried over into the defense. And after the John Ross touchdown, you, that sideline was erupting. They were, man, for the first time, I think they felt like, guys, we can get this in order and we can figure this out. And what the defense do, they allow them to drive right down the field and score very easily with very little resistance. You could have had cardboard cutouts of players and it would have been the same same um, outcome. And then they get the two-point conversion, too, and the Ravens tie it up at 21. So um, that was short-lived, that energy and that that excitement. And and they were still missing tackles, but at least they were railing to the ball at that time. And then it all it all ended. It all stopped. And, and Again, you, you sit here with the same questions, and I thought that would be the biggest difference with Marvin Lewis looking over their shoulder would be the energy, with would be guys rallying to the ball, with guys being a little more disciplined in the, in their assignments. And then you see it, and it's still Hardy Nickerson and Vontaze Burfect arguing after plays about who's got what gap and why Nickerson didn't didn't take the right side and allow the running back to cut back into Burfict, but Burfict was was horrific. Again, he's he's. So bad out there. Um, A lot of the guys that you expect to be good were bad in that front seven. So, you know, I thought the secondary was was good, especially the corners. Again, against the Ravens, those guys are normally really good. The receivers really aren't threatening them. The safeties, uh, there were times where I thought Jesse Bates was a little hesitant to come up and play the run, uh, where um, Sean Williams had some missed tackles, and, and, and I think he missed three of them. So, in all, there's still too many times where the best players are disappearing, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, and there's still too much undisciplined play, um, low energy, not railing to the to the to the tackler. The one play I think of is Willie Sneed, out route. I want to say it was third down. Dark Denard hits him almost instantly, and they're like they're neck and neck like fighting for the first down for about three seconds before another defender runs up and, and helps out. And by that time, Willie Sneed gains the first down. And I'm just thinking, that cannot happen on the yeah. defense. You can, those, someone's got to be there. I'm watching Jordan Evans jog over there. I'm watching, I think, with Drake Kirkpatrick on that side jog, um, Darius Phillips jog over there. But, like you guys gave him that first down because you're not playing with energy. You're not, you're not helping your teammate. I mean, good defense is rallying to the ball, and they do not allow one guy to make the tackle. It's got to be three, four, five guys making the tackle if you want to make a stop in, in the league right now. plus, especially Darcy, one of their better tacklers, right? One of the the trust, trustworthy guys in, in the physical part of the game uh, in the back half, but he's coming off a shoulder injury or clavicle or whatever, um, and he's wrestling Willie Sneed for the first down, and no one's, no one's running to the ball. So that play right there was, was extremely disheartening. It's one that sticks out to me. Um, honestly, when you get into the to the read option stuff and the quarterback running. When I watch it, it's just it's just being sound and and having, you know, assignment safe or or secure defense and they just weren't that. And and I don't know why we should have expected anything else because that defense has shown that all year long.
0: They have. They they've shown it all year long. Can it be fixed? I mean, Marvin Lewis sounded kind of encouraged by their performance after the game. I don't expect this defense to be a top defense in the NFL. I do think that they need to be competent. I look ahead to Baker Mayfield coming into Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday, and Lamar Jackson obviously obviously has a special skill set, but you and I would probably both agree that Baker Mayfield is a 1,000 times better than Lamar Jackson right now. He's able to extend the play. He's as accurate as hell uh, as a quarterback as there is, and I think that Baker could give this defense a ton of, I mean, a ton of problems, even if they're in the right spot, because physically it just seems like they're getting beat at times when they're in the right spot. You mentioned the Dark West and Ard thing. He just got ridden, and no one else was there to help make the tackle. Uh, Willie Snead just just took him on his back and pushed him for the first down. Is, is this defense going to be able to put up a fight against Baker Mayfield? Is it realistic to think that, or is it just buckle up? Offense, you have to score 30-plus.
2: Well, that's always the case. I think that last <laughs> point is is the case in this league. If you're not willing if you're not willing, ready or able to score thirty points on offense, you are flipping a coin in whether or not you can win. And if, you know, the that's that's not where you want to be in the NFL, is ending up as an eight and eighteen because of it, and that seems to be the path they're on. Um but I do kind of like the matchup against Baker Mayfield a little bit more than Lamar Jackson. It's because Jackson required them to be completely Accurate in all of their responsibilities on defense and we knew that wasn't going to happen and while watching it It was just throw your arms up because you knew they couldn't do it um, Whereas Mayfield is a little more of your traditional guy even though, you know I've been really impressed with him, especially the last couple of performances and then that first performance he had so He has that in him where he just may have a, a fantastic game and the Bengals have no answer because we've seen that before where they've got no answer but um, at the same time, I prefer a drop-back passer that you can maybe try to confuse with coverages and try to get him to throw into coverage and create turnovers, because that's really what defense is in the, in the league now, is you hope the other team makes a mistake, and if you can capitalize, it gives your offense another chance to score, and that really is the defense in the game, or the, the difference in the game um, in today's NFL. So I would rather be in that situation as a defensive guy or a defensive coordinator where I'm I'm trying to get their rookie quarterback to make a mistake throwing the ball rather than putting the onus on the defense to be safe and, and, and sound the entire game versus the running quarterback, even though Mayfield can move, but it's a much different thing when you're scrambling rather than designed runs for, for the quarterback. So uh, I do like this matchup a little bit more, but I think at the same time, I, I, I honestly, there are players on the, on the Browns that scare me much more than the Ravens. I don't, I don't have a high opinion of the Ravens and the way they just beat the Bengals really sapped the remaining energy I had in, this, in the Spangles roster and the Spangles team for 2018. I look at the Browns and there's a lot of players that can just beat them with Jarvis Landry, Duke Johnson, Nick Chubb on defense, Miles Garrett, Larry o- Ogunobi in, the, in at defensive tackle. Um, uh, Denzel Ward at corner has been fantastic. I don't like the matchup in a lot of ways versus one-on-one, I mean talking like one-on-one matchups with the Browns. Overall, I like playing Mayfield a little bit more than Lamar Jackson at this point, just because not having the film on Jackson in the way that the the Ravens employed him. Earlier
0: today on ESPN 1530, Moeger and I played a a would-you-rather game, and and one of the topics was Lamar Jackson. And and I'm going to give you this question, Joe, and and take it however you want, and you have no idea that it's coming, but would you rather Lamar Jackson – or Andy Dalton be the quarterback of the Bengals for the next five years?
2: I'd rather be Lamar Jackson. And I I only say that because the next five years is probably when we're going to see the turnover for the Bengals roster and management and direction, right? It should be. I mean, I think Marvin can not be here forever, right? Maybe. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) maybe it it becomes unreal. Never say say never, Joe. (laughs) But having said that, if they're going to go, Forward. They are gonna find a new quarterback at some point, probably in the next five years, I would say, um, just with Dalton page with the turnover expected on, on, on this roster and, and coaching staff. Um and although Jackson is, is vastly behind still as they pass there in terms of um you know the Playbook and being as diverse and, and being able to change plays the way Dalton should, I guess, as I'm saying that now I'm thinking he doesn't do it. But, um, you know, all the mental aspects of being an eight year quarterback versus a rookie quarterback that will rely on his legs in, in, in tough situations. But there was enough flashes even in this one game. And now it was one game. He's going to struggle in other situations as better defenses show up. But I even said, and we talked about this pre draft, we were interested in Lamar Jackson at 21. And, um, had the Bengals have made that move, we might be sitting here today because Trey Hopkins has shown he can play center just as good as Billy Price, probably good at this point in the, at this year. Maybe Price is better in two and three years. Um, but had they have done that, we may be sitting here right now and saying, when is Lamar Jackson going to play? The Bengals could use a spark on offense. So you'd be in that same scenario where you're wondering or looking at the next guy, and, and if it was Jackson, I wouldn't be mad about it because his... There were the there's a few flashes in the plays we talked about earlier where he gets his eyes back up and makes a throw downfield. I it's all I want to see really from a from a quarterback that is different. Or can be different than Andy Dalton, and it's not that I dislike Andy Dalton. It's I want the guy that can do those other things, that can make the play that isn't normal, or 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 not have to be scripted on every uh, part of his successful plays. And now, while Andy Dalton has been good off the script earlier in the year, I think we've seen over the last handful of of games here, you know what he's been for most of his career. And I want something more than that. And Lamar Jackson showed that in his first start. And it may or may not continue, but I'd like to take that opportunity to develop him and see where it goes.
0: If you could go back right now and change it and and take Lamar instead of Billy Price, would you?
2: Yeah, I would have then and I would now because there there's some other good centers that, that were drafted afterwards. I would have taken Lamar and I would have, like the Ravens traded up to get Lamar. I would have taken Lamar and then traded up to get a, a James Daniels or something in the second round and, and done it that way and still got your center um, if that was a, a real priority. You know, we're having hindsight. You asked me with hindsight, you know, would I go back and do it? And yes, sure. I would.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about and consider. Um, man, it's and here's the problem is now this isn't a great quarterback draft. They're not going to be drafting that early. Andy Dalton's the guy, and you just wonder – when will they consider? Because I don't think they seriously consider Lamar. I really don't. I know they brought him in for a visit, but I, I don't think that that was under serious consideration. And you look, no, I think
2: they're more interested doing their homework on that one.
0: Yeah, and, and so now Baker Mayfield is the guy in in Baltimore, or in uh, Cleveland. You have Lamar, who could potentially be the guy in Baltimore. I don't know, man. I mean, obviously, Big Ben's getting older, but Ben is still Ben. If there there's a scenario where a year maybe two years from now you have the fourth best quarterback in the division
2: you may have it this past week you may have had it <laughs> yeah and I, I mean that might be a little bit of hyperbole but at the same time we said going into this year that the Bengals had the worst quarterback room out of any four teams in the division so it's not crazy to say now that baker makefield has shown that he can be a good player and he's probably not going to be a bust. As long as he continues the way he is, he's been fine. The jury's still out on, on Jackson, but nice first performance and showed a lot of potential and, and maybe could be even more. He may break down if he carries it 27 times a game, but I don't expect that to continue. Most running quarterbacks start to lean more on their on their passing abilities, and he's shown that he can throw from the pocket. So, um, you know, for me, yeah, we could be sitting here in two years, and if Andy Dalton's still the guy and needs a new contract at that point, we're going to be like – Yeah, this has gone from having the worst quarterback situation in the division to having the worst starting quarterback situation in the division because you'll pay Dalton more and not really have the the same ability and hopes that these other franchises have, depending on what happens with the Steelers and Big Ben and Mason Rudolph. But I – at the same time, I don't feel like the Steelers would shy away from drafting a quarterback in the first round in any of the next couple of years just because of the way they operate. They they weren't scared to take Mason Rudolph in the second round, I believe. Um, so I, there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't do it in the first round again.
0: Last question for Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Moving forward, this team, the margin for error is gone. You have to win all of the games you're favored in, which at home against Denver, at home, against Oakland at home against Cleveland you're going to be favored in all three of those games I think they're three-point favorites last time I saw this Sunday against Cleveland and then you're going to have to go on the road as an underdog and beat the Browns I think that's the quickest path that the most realistic path the nine wins which should be good enough I think to get them into the playoffs if you were designing a game plan and I know this has to be kind of general because it varies week to week but a Blueprint on how the Bengals go 4-2 and and get that done and win those games that, let's be honest, they probably should win based on talent. What would you do offensively, defensively? What are some things that you would do, some things you would change, some things you would try?
2: I would completely scrap all the heavy personnel they keep putting out there with Jake Fisher as the extra, extra blocker, even though he's been fine and actually scored a touchdown on that. Um, but I think they're waste of plays most of the time. I think running from under center is waste of plays most of the time. You look at what the Rams do. The Rams are only on, under center ever to show play action. and they, they never hand it off from there, but they show it just to create the big plays. And it still works, and they're one of the best offenses in the league. Watch tonight's game. Chiefs-Rams, If depending on when you're listening to this. Monday night game, watch it that's that's the pinnacle of offense in the nfl this year watch that and think of think of the Bengals. you'll see a lot of ideas of what they should be doing especially how they treat their running backs and todd Gurley is a great example for for how you can get the ball to joe mixon early often and in the passing game even when the running game isn't there uh and so for me i would be designing plays to get the ball in the, into john ross's hands because he can help the team um I'd be designing ways to get the ball in the Joe Mixon and G.A. Ryan Bernard's hands. And hopefully AJ Green comes back, helps the coverage open up, and you can help get Tyler Boyd the ball more often. But on defense, I'm not sure there's a fix. I would love to see Malik Jefferson get some snaps because I don't care that Hardy Nickerson knows the defense. He cannot move and get to the point he knows he needs to get to. And he may have had nine tackles, but they were all eight yards down the field or or further, except for a couple. The one-fourth down was really nice. Um, But overall... I think they need to look at linebacker and say either burfick has got to play better or someone else has to play Jordan Evans has to play better or someone else has to play. And the, you've got to keep moving here because the, the linebacker unit has really killed this team a lot this season. And at defensive end, I'm really not sure where you need that third pass rusher. And we talked about this two years ago before they drafted Carl Lawson and, and everyone would say, where's Dunlap? Where's Geno Atkins without that third rusher, it really makes it hard on those two guys. And if they're not a Khalil Mack on the edge, if you don't have that elite edge guy, you're going to really suffer and affect the play of the other guys on that offensive On that defensive line. So they've got to figure out who that other third pass rusher can be. And Adolphus Washington has had some couple of good games from the inside. He was hurt this week. Um, so we saw more Andrew Billings and Josh Tupal. But it, if it's Sam Hubbard, if it's Jordan Willis, if it's Michael Johnson, which I don't think so, one of those guys has to be able to contribute and help. Right now Jordan Willis is getting those snaps, but he is not doing it and and he's not getting it done. I'd like to see Sam Hubbard get more edge snaps, um, and see in passing situations and see if he can create the spark. But on defense, that's the that's the hardest one I think that I could just say we can game plan and, and get it better. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I think they have major holes and deficiencies on that side of the ball. Where on the offense, I think they have the talent. They need to get these guys in the space. They need to create plays for them and stop asking them just to win because they're talented players. They need to win because they're getting help from the coaches also.
0: Yeah, it, the thing with Malik Jefferson, he tested out of this world. And I remember talking to him, and he was like, yeah, I could have tested better, but I was – dealing with this this ailment i think he had some kind of injury that was bothering him or something he's so athletic you're going up against a really athletic quarterback it, it i get it from what i've heard mentally it's not there he struggled in practice some but why couldn't you just say all right you're the guy who's going to shadow lamar
2: jackson that's and, exactly what he did at texas and, that's and, all he did and, at texas
0: and that's it like if if he's your most athletic guy just say all right this is going to be very simple. It's one-on-one. You follow Lamar. We're going to put a linebacker on him the entire time. Or maybe you make the adjustment at halftime, but you make it. I would have done that. In I'm not game planning, but it just seems like such a simple move. Put your best athlete, Malik Jefferson, against their best athlete, Lamar Jackson.
2: And here's why they didn't do it, is because Perfect wasn't 100%. If Perfect was 100% and playing every down, he would have had the radio helmet on, and he would have been, he'd be the one talking to Marvin and calling plays. Because he wasn't, because Preston Brown wasn't healthy and wasn't playing, Hardy Nickerson had to wear the helmet. It wasn't Jordan Evans. They don't trust him with it either. Um, So it had to be Hardy Nickerson. And what that means is Hardy Nickerson has to be out there every single play to take this radio helmet because they're not going to do that with Malik Jefferson from all the reports of him not being mentally able to handle it. So because of it, because our linebackers have had injuries and issues with health, We're forced to have Hardy Nickerson out there, even though he has no business being out there on the defense. He's a fine special teams player. But just because he can call the plays, he's forced out there, and it put them in a bind. I'd much rather – the Bengals don't do this, but you see a lot of other teams do it. I watched the Vikings do it last night. Um, Harrison Smith, I believe, wears the the radio helmet for that defense. I want to see the Bengals let one of their safeties do it. Maybe that's Jesse Bates in the future. Maybe it's Sean Williams now. But – to force one of these bad linebackers out there because you don't have anybody to call the defense is really get bad game planning for the entire week of, of figuring out who's going to be out there. And they, knew, they knew Brown was going to be out there. They knew uh, Burfick would be limited in practice all week and be limited in the game. That was a terrible game plan going in, and that starts winning and, lo- wins and losses. When we talk about the game planning and decisions they make, wins and losses can often be decided through the week before the game even starts, and that's one of them that where they lost and took that loss before they even went out there.
0: You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Good stuff as always, man. Early prediction: You think they get it done Sunday against Cleveland?
2: I do. I do think they they get it done, and because it's Cleveland, but I don't think that means they win both games against Cleveland. Yeah. Um, there's a good chance that the Browns are not worse than the Bengals, and and you know they're getting better since they fired Hugh. And if that continues, then the Bengals have a, a tough battle ahead of them.
0: I'll be up there for the second Cleveland game. You want to drive down and we can go to it together?
2: Yeah, there should be uh, some empty seats. Yeah, let's do that.
0: I'm I'm dead serious. I just thought about it. You're closer, right? Are you closer to Cleveland? Yeah, three you- hours. Dude, that might be able to be something we plan.
2: Especially if they're still in it. Let's let's if they're still in it, I can I could probably swing that easily.
0: All right, let's uh let's discuss that. Good stuff there, okay. Joe Goodberry of the Athletic. I hope you're right. Um, I appreciate the time. What do you have on The Athletic this week before I let you go? I know you you said some of it, but let, let our listeners know what else they're going to get.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm detailing the final two drives, basically. The one that led to the missed field goal and then the Cody Court play the fourth down. Um, Randy and, Bullock from
0: 50, clutch, by the way.
2: It's insane. Yeah, he's, he's making 75% of his kicks this year after getting an extension. He's now under 50% in his career over 50 yards. I want to bash my head into the desk in front of me just thinking about it, that they thought this was okay and that they set them up for that. And then I'm going to break this all down because it starts on second down, and that second down play may have lost them the game. And I'm not even talking about before the final drive. The second down play on that missed field goal may have lost them the entire game. and 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 then from there, because John Roth made a fantastic play. And not only did he make a fantastic play, he made it in the ways that everyone has criticized him this year and being physical, going up for the ball, fighting for it, showing effort, showing heart, all of those things, right? Catching with his hands, all, all the things he was criticized for this yep. year. He made that play, but I've written about before how, he was in a bucket of receivers. If you, don't, if you play as a rookie and don't produce, and especially if you don't score as a rookie, you end up in this bucket of, I've got you know 20, and if I expand the search, I can go to like 45 receivers, that 80% of them end up being nothing in the NFL. And John Ross was in that bucket. So from a historical standpoint and looking at the raw data, I was nervous about him. But then you go and look at the guys who got out of that bucket and became good players, guys like Vincent Jackson, Santana Moss, and there's a handful of others. But well, what did they do their second year? They caught low-percentage balls, the way Ross is, but they all scored touchdowns, and touchdowns a lot, and Ross has four already. And the guys who didn't score touchdowns remained bust and got lost in the NFL forever. And so Ross is now on the right path, and that excites me. So I'm going to show all those numbers, show all that data, and show the plays and, and why, even though he's still a low-percentage target, he is no longer a bust, and he's on the correct path.
0: Boom, and they're not even using him right. They're not even using him right, Joe. And that. Because he would have higher percentage uh, targets. Yes, think, easily. I, I right. If you put him in Chicago, like Chicago. Like, no one thinks the Bears are good. But spoiler, they're pretty good, and it's because of the coaching. It's uh, it's really bothering me. It's really irking me. But uh, I did, I did uh, say yesterday on the podcast that you can no longer say John Ross is a bust. You could say, oh, he's got injury concerns, and you're worried about that. Absolutely. And, and he's not a finished product. That's accurate as well. But this yep. idea that he's a bust. No, he's it's not done. I, it's over. I agree. I, I, I put stick a stick a fork in it.
2: He it, is like when I show these numbers and you see they're out of like the twenty guys, five made it out and had successful careers. They all, they're all their numbers look exactly like John Ross's in year two. And it's when I saw it, I was so much relief came over me, like wow. So it's, it's you know <laughs> these guys didn't get lost. They they kept going. Vincent Jackson, great example. He, their numbers look almost exactly the same in year two. And after doing nothing as a rookie years, um, so. I, you know I'm excited for it. Well, I've got one question for you though before we end, James. Um, did did Marshall Yanda spit at Vontez Perfect?
0: Yeah, I met. You're the one who posted this video, by the way. Check it out at Joe Goodberry. Look like it. Look Looks like it. To me too. Here's the thing. Um, do does anyone on this earth think that you get away with spitting on Vontez Perfect? Like I think if it hit him or if he realized it. Vontez Perfect might have ripped Yonda's head off or tried to. Seriously, I mean, he—he's not a guy I would spit on. i will give Vontez Burfict the most grief in the world, but I would—the last thing I'd want to do is fight him or spit on him. Uh, it would have so, been the most
2: impact he had on the game ahead of you fought.
0: Exactly, you're right. He was nowhere to be found. <laughs> nowhere to be found. I, I think that's probably why no one noticed that. Um, it looked like it though, right? You'd say he did, right? I I do. I think he did.
2: I I think he hawked a, a straight up loogie. It looked like he whipped his head back, hawked it and spit. He I think he missed. Either he hit perfect in the helmet or he hit the turf and that's why no one noticed. Um, but I definitely think he did and I wonder if the NFL is going to see it or even care. They should. Uh, he should be fine. Oh, they sh- they should, but will they? And, you know, that's the thing because they already Ravens um I saw on ESPN, Ravens uh said Marshall Yonda did not spit at anyone. And I'm like, okay, and I wonder what the Bengals players and Perfect will say today in the locker room.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they say. Unfortunately, I won't be there for it. But, uh,
2: yeah, we could, um,
0: I, I think twenty five, maybe even $50,000. Like, it should be a pretty hefty fine. Like, spitting on some, because that, the, doing that in a game, like, let's say he connects, Vontez Perfect is going to try to kill him.
2: <laughs> you know, like, I think seriously. the last one was, like, 36000 and then there was another one that was, like, 18000 I yeah. saw someone post the history, and it, um, and, yeah, it could be significant.
0: It's just an instant fight starter. All right? I mean, it, so certain things you just can't I'd rather do. get
2: slapped in my face.
0: Oh, there's a lot of things. I'd rather a lot of things than someone spit on me. I mean.
2: Especially I, the way he hocked it up. Yeah. Man, there's probably some snot in there. Everyone's got colds right L- now. Like,
0: put it like this. If if someone that you know you're going to lose a fight to spits on you. Like, if Vontez Perfect spits on me, I have to fight him. I'm going to die. But I can't right. not defend myself. Like, that is. You instantly have to. Go into your that your honor. Yeah, And that's why I don't think Perfect realized it happened and, and it probably didn't connect. Because otherwise, come on, 55 isn't backing
2: down. There's no There's chance. There's like a small area to actually connect in someone's face with a helmet on and, and pads on. You know, if you're going to yeah. spit at him, if it doesn't hit him right in the eyes and nose, I mean, it, you'd probably hit him in the top of the helmet, probably yeah. hit him in the shoulder pad. He would have no idea.
0: Yeah, exactly. It would just roll off his helmet. But man, what, what the hell are people thinking? I and I, the Ravens fans saying, "Oh well, perfect Burfict's a clown." Anyway, no, it, you can't defend that. That's you know, just because someone you would think someone's bad, that doesn't mean that you get to spit on them. It's just period, right? right. So crazy, crazy, crazy. Good catch,
2: by the way. I never would have. You known know what? That. Someone sent me a link to a Facebook page, and someone recorded it off their TV. I would have given them credit if they were on Twitter. I don't have a Facebook, um, so it, you know, I couldn't really do that. So, they, and so I was like, okay, I'll go back, I'll record it, I'll slow it down, I'll, I'll zoom in, and I'll make a better video. But someone did send me a link first. Um, I just didn't have a way to share it. Gotcha.
0: It's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Hopefully um, hopefully he gets fined. I, I would fine him. 25 minimum. He should get fined. He could take that fine and, and put it towards the I'm Moving Up North Fund and the John Ross Jersey Fund that you continue to remind me about.
2: That's right.
0: You got to buy a jersey. (laughs) But but, by the way, I mean one more touchdown. By the way, I I, in in I mean the the one I guess good thing from a Bengals perspective is yeah, I'm still a fan. You know, I grew up with this team, but it's I I try to remove that so I can look at things objectively and and feel free to to criticize the team when I need to, you know, and and also look at it and defend the team when I need to. Going up there, I'm going to be able to be a Bengals fan full on again. So I'm, I'm excited for that.
2: I thought about that for you, to be honest with you. When I brought it up that year one touchdown away from Ross jersey, I'm like, well, you know what? He can actually wear it now.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't I don't wear Bengals gear. Like, I, there's – I haven't bought Bengals gear in years because of that. I mean, I, you, one, you're not going to wear it. You're not allowed to wear it to the stadium. I'm not going to wear it around and then change on my way to the stadium. And I go multiple times a week, so it's like – uh I mean, I haven't bought a jersey. The last jersey I bought might be Chad. Really? Might be Chad. Uh, No, I had a 2010. I had a Jordan Shipley jersey in 2010.
2: Woo! You would have a Jordan. I think we talked about this because I got the same reaction again. You would have a Jordan Shipley jersey.
0: We're built the same.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why. They You you get a game cut, they just think that you're Jordan Shipley.
0: Exactly. He was a stud, man. Damn shame.
2: He was just a 25-year-old rookie and had previous knee injuries.
0: Stop it. (laughs) Is that why he was good?
2: No, t- no, no, no. That's why he didn't have sustained success. Oh. You know, in knee injuries, he's had a, a history of knee injuries. Uh he that's why he hit the ground running right away. Yeah. Older rookies normally do, but they may not have the high upside. Chad um, yeah.
0: I mean, Chad and T L being on, on the outside probably helped him get open over Oh, for sure. But
2: well he was he was the go I mean, this is coming off of Hushman's Island, remember? And mm-hmm. so they Carson needed that slot guy. And I remember thinking like what are they gonna do? It's gonna be a little different. You know, you can't expect a third round. I think he was a compensatory pick at the time. Yeah. Um, so a late third rounder to just jump in and be that guy. But he was, was it week one against the Patriots? He caught a Hail Mary. You know, he just was a, uh, and he, I don't think he got in. I think he got stopped at the one. But, um, you know, he just was a really good rookie and, and started off high. And then, you know, he got hurt.
0: Yeah, I'm looking up his stats real quick, just because I think he had like 900 yards. There's something crazy 70 like 70 catches? Yeah, let's see here. All right, so he played in 15 games as a rookie, 74 targets, 52 catches. We were
2: high on okay. this. He had 600 Word. Word. yards. He okay. had, had 2,000 yards, 20 touchdowns. He was great, man. Yeah, <laughs>
0: right. He would have been the Hall of Fame
2: if he didn't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> why did
0: where did i get 900 from you so, were excited it's so okay. he had 52 reception you said 70 catches he had 52 i thought catches. i thought
2: it was uh, yeah 77 <laughs> targets that's what i'm thinking of.
0: that's it. A... 52 reception 600 yards three touchdowns still pretty good though and then he, he blew out his knee and then that
2: was it Yeah, john ross didn't catch a pass in his rookie year
0: yeah he's catching pass four touchdowns 11 11 target or 11 receptions that's, how about that that's
2: that's weird that's that's really weird. And a head
0: coach that doesn't believe in him and a coaching staff that I'll tell you right now doesn't really believe in him. Quite interesting. Well, I need to be well, his he, agent,
2: by the way. You, you,
0: can be, you can jump in it with me. We can be his agent.
2: I don't think that would be great. because <laughs> uh, Dealing with agents, I'm sure you have, is weird. And I think agents are... Um, an interesting job, I actually. Remember when like Jerry Maguire came out and stuff? And yeah. Like I was like, man, that would be a fun job. And then as I got older and and, and met some and dealt with them, I'm like, no, maybe not. That doesn't seem fun.
0: No, I just negotiating wise, I'd be like, look, can you guys use him right? I mean, he's he's a stud. You don't even know how to use him.
2: I wonder how much that happens, and and when you know extensions or free agency talks. Yeah. Like, think of like Duke Johnson signing with the with the Browns, right? You think their agent was like. You guys aren't even using him. I'd be better off taking a lesser deal, taking a two-year deal with the Patriots, getting used the correct way, and then coming out and making more money afterwards. Yeah,
0: you're right, and you got to negotiate away. I mean, you're right. Sometimes you have to negotiate talent and not uh, not necessarily the production. The production could be there, anyways. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel good. I'm gonna get. You you think anyone's gonna mistake me for Mister Four Two Two if I get a, a game cut jersey? You think? No. 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 Jordan Shipley, <laughs> not Dr- John. R- oh, okay, damn! I'm just
2: kidding. And yeah. it's because of it's because of the speed only.
0: That's that's right. That's the only thing. You speed uh, four two two. What are you trying to say, Joe? What are you trying to say, Joe? Well,
2: what do you run, James? You, would you break a five?
0: Yeah, come on.
2: What you honestly? People run way slower than you think. I would I mean, run. I average would, people.
0: I would run way. I would beat a five. Yes, when I was in eighth eighth grade, I ran a four eight. So okay. I, well.
2: <laughs> You Do you think you're still as fast as you were? I'm 18? faster
0: than I am. In, was an eighth grade. Sure. Really? I think so. I still, like, run. I still do stuff. I'm not... I
2: guess. Really? It's not the same. Even if you work out, it's not the same. I'm not saying I, work
0: out. Like, I still... Like, I played basketball today, full court. Like, I still run.
2: Okay, but I think sprinting and just being in the right stance to run a 40, you know, it helps so much.
0: Sure. Now, could I do mechanical stuff and get hopefully get to... Uh, I bet I could run a... If I did all the mechanics and everything that they do from a combine perspective, I bet I could get a four seven.
2: This is what I want to see actually. You know, but you'll be covering different sports. But next year The Combine? Yeah, before like training and then train for a month or six weeks or something and then test again.
0: Yeah. That's a lot of time to dedicate to that.
2: I would love is it. it I would love them anyway. And here's the thing.
0: Maybe, maybe if we did that. They could replace Cody Core with me, and I could be I think, the
2: guy, fourth and three. I, they'll make a movie out of that.
0: I have tiny hands,
2: though. Me, too. For, you, for being 6'3", I don't have big hands. Yeah,
0: I'm 5'9", I'm and like three quarters. Probably 5'10", right. with cleats on. <laughs>
2: That. I think that's, I don't think they measure you that way. No, they I don't.
0: Think, uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. I appreciate the time as always, man. I will uh, work on my 40 yard dash and talk to you next week.
2: All right. Take care, James.
0: Good stuff there from Joe Goodberry. We'll be back at it tomorrow with another Locked on Bengals podcast. We won't have a podcast Thursday, but what we will do. Is catch up with Jeff Lloyd, who covers uh, the Browns for locked on Browns. We'll talk uh, Browns, Bengals this Sunday on Wednesday, and then you can listen to that on your turkey day as well. Until then, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening today. Back at it tomorrow. This has been the Locked On Bengals Podcast.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.